Hallelujah. Once again, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. We're talking about wisdom for leadership. Wisdom for leadership. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, do what? Get wisdom. With all that getting, get what? Understanding. And once again, it says wisdom is the what? Wisdom is the what? Principal thing. And you see, once again, this repeated time and time again in the book of Proverbs. It's the what? Principal thing. Not faith, not grace, not love, not any of those things that we know need such prominent place in our life. But wisdom is the what? Principal thing. Say wisdom is the principal thing. Now, it says that because why? All these other truths, faith, grace, and love, how they operate in our lives is wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. And if we understand how wisdom is defined, it's the principal thing. So we need to have an understanding and revelation of what wisdom in, it, what wisdom is and how it operates in our life and what fruit we should see as a result. Amen? Why? So that we can deliberately pursue wisdom. So look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. Unto what? Wisdom. And apply thy heart unto what? Understanding. Yea, if thou cryest at their, at their knowledge, and lifted up thy voice for what? Understanding. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt what? Understand what? the fear of the Lord, and find the what? Knowledge of God. And once again, here we see two other concepts that go hand in hand with wisdom, and that is what? Knowledge and what? Understanding. Over and over again in Proverbs, we see knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom mentioned in the same breath, functioning together, and flowing together. Are you following me? Now, we know wisdom from last Wednesday is defined as the application of knowledge producing the desired result. Once again, wisdom is defined as the application of knowledge producing the what? Desired result. Let me say it one more time. Wisdom is defined as the application of knowledge producing the what? Desired result. In other words, knowledge in and of itself does no good. It, proves, it produces nothing in someone's life, but you have to have it. You got to have knowledge. Tell your neighbor, you got to have knowledge. So we found out knowledge is defined as the acquisition of facts and data and information. Once again, knowledge is defined as acquisition of facts and data and information. See, it has to be in place in order for wisdom to have something to work with. Amen? Then when it comes to understanding, we found that understanding is really when the light goes off. Amen. Amen. Let me say it again. Understanding is what? When the, when the what? When the light goes off. See, we can acquire knowledge and not see how it can have an effect in our lives. Matter of fact, we can acquire knowledge and not really understand how to put it to work in our lives. Then what happens? Then one day the light goes off. Come on, are you with me out here? And some of you, like I said last week, come on, we read the word of God. We read the word of God for years. Then all of a sudden, there's one passage that you've been reading time and time again. And it's like it suddenly what? Jumps off the pages. What happened? The light got turned on. Understanding came. Somebody say understanding came. And see, as you compare the progression of knowledge, amen, understanding the wisdom to the process of faith. Somebody say to the process of faith. As you compare the progression of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom to the process of faith unfolding in your life, you can actually say understanding is where faith begins in a person's life. 
Let me say it again. You can actually say what? Understanding is, is where faith begins in a person's life. What happens? The light goes off. See, you can acquire knowledge. Then as you immerse yourself in that knowledge, you hear what I'm saying? Let me say it again. You can acquire knowledge. And as you immerse yourself in that knowledge, renew your mind to it. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word about that particular kind of truth. Then you begin to speak in line with it. Then you begin to meditate it and meditate it and meditate it. Then one day what happens? The light goes off. Tell your neighbor the light goes off. So it's like knowledge is acquired, right? Understanding is, is the light going off. Come on, y'all getting this right. Then what occurs as you immerse yourself in that knowledge that you gained. Somebody say that you gained. Now wisdom is in position to occur. Are you with me out here? See, once understanding has come, wisdom begins to produce the desire fruit because why? Along with understanding what happened, behavior is modified and behavior is changed. Now, we said last week the most important thing for us to have is an understanding of the larger context of God's purpose or the big picture regarding wisdom for leadership. Somebody say big picture. First of all, we found out it will bring a level of blessing to you. It will bring a level of blessing to the body of Christ and a level of blessing to whatever you're responsible for that nothing else can bring. Come on, are you with me out here? We, we found that under Solomon, Israel enjoyed a 40-year period of peace and prosperity such as they had never experienced before and would never experience again, folks. It was unmatched in their history. What happened? Wisdom did that. Somebody say wisdom did that. Wisdom and leadership did that. Somebody say wisdom and leadership did that. Well, what else did wisdom and leadership do? It brought the whole earth to an awareness of God's people. Come on, say amen, somebody. And it brought an awareness to the, to the whole world, to the leadership God had provided for his people. Amen. Point being, if we want to affect the world, the world that we live in, anybody want to affect the world that you live in? Now, I made this statement. My wife asked me about it. <laughs> the emphasis is not necessarily on evangelism. Notice I said not necessarily. I said what? Not, I didn't say not necessary. I said not necessarily on evangelism, even though evangelism is important. So let me say it this way this time. But that's not the only way we bring the world into the kingdom of God. Come on, say amen, somebody. We make them aware of the kingdom of God in these matters when it comes to evangelism. Come on, are you with me out here? But it's when they see the answers to human needs being met in a way that they are unable to meet it themselves, that brings them to the point of becoming part of the kingdom. Matter of fact, look at James chapter 1, verse 5. So we're looking at what? Wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Turn to everybody, you need wisdom. Now we are told in James chapter 5, 1, verse 5. Now I went through a lot of, there's a lot of things in between what I just went over. But you have to get the... CD. Amen. You know, you got to, to get out and use the saying tape. <laughs> Amen. So now it's a CD. Next thing you know, it's going to be you got to get, get in a jump drive. <laughs> or you got to look for it online. Come on, say amen, somebody. You got to download it. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you what? If any of you what? Lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God that give it to all men, what? Liberally and do what? Upbraid of not, and there shall be what? Given him. But let him ask in what? But let him ask in what? Verse 6, my peoples. But let him ask in what? What? 
faith not wavering. For he that wavereth like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? For a double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? All his ways. And we said it last week, you need to know what you're asking for. When you ask for wisdom, it's not a general thing, folks. You don't say, Lord, I need wisdom about everything. Say, neighbor, it's not general. You need to know what you're asking for. What you need to know? What you need to know? What you're asking for. You need to know what to look for when you ask. Say it again. You need to know what to what? Look for when you ask. This is the only way you can avoid being double-minded. And see, wisdoms, we found out, deals in terms of our giftings in the unfolding plan of God for our lives. Amen? Wisdom deals with more than what the, listen, wisdom deals with more than what the Holy Ghost speaks to you than what the world does or the world does. Amen? See, the word, somebody said a word. The word is a general will of God for all believers, right or wrong. For all what? All ages. The word defines what? It defines the foundation of who we are. Amen? But then when it comes to particulars of what God has for you, let me say it again. Then when it comes to the what? To the particulars of what God has for you and the wisdom that's needed for your family, for your life, or even your business or your ministry. Are you with me out here? Those things are what the Holy Ghost speaks to you. Some might say the Holy Ghost. But once again, that's the word that's more easily contested by the enemy of your soul. Are you listening to me out? That's more contested than something you can pull off the pages of your Bible. See, you can find it in the scriptures. It came from the Bible. But when the Holy Ghost speaks to you, come on, say amen, somebody. And that's what the devil challenges the most. Well, we see the context of asking for wisdom beginning in verse 2. Verse 2, where it says, my brethren, count it all what? Joy when you what? When you what? Fall into divers what? Temptation. It says that we're supposed to count it all what? Joy when we what? When we what? Fall into divers temptations. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean when you get tempted to eat something. Come on, or do something you shouldn't be doing. Come on, say amen, somebody. The principal meaning of temptation is test or trial or proving. Let me say it again. The principal meaning of temptation is what? Test or trial or proving. Say it with me. Test or trial or proving. Actually, it means adversity. What's it mean? Adversity. The Greek word for temptation is parosmos. Parosmos. You want to spell it? Take a note. It's P-E-I-R-A-S-M-O-S. And it essentially, it means a putting to proof by experience, usually by adversity. Let me say it again. It's a Greek word, prosmos, and essentially it means a putting to proof by experience, usually by adversity. Somebody say adversity. Well, does God do that? Does God do that? Don't you answer, Carrie, because you know you'd be after. <laughs> Come on, does he put pressure on you by the experience of adversity? Well, if you look at verse 13, James 1, 13, that's what it says here. 13 says, let no man say, 
when he is what? Tempted, I am what? Tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he what any man. He said, don't even, even say it came from God. What's he saying? You have lost the battle for even thinking God's behind adversity. You lost the battle already. Amen? Why? Because God doesn't deal in adversity. But that's the meaning of temptation. Adversity. Somebody say adversity. Well, that's why he says in James 1, 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That the trying of your faith does what? Worketh patience. What's the enemy doing? Are y'all listening tonight? You need to listen closely. What the enemy is doing, the enemy is putting pressure on your belief system. You hear what I just said? The enemy is putting what? Pressure on your what? Belief system. If the progression of wisdom that we've been talking about this week and last week, if the progression of wisdom is going to be stopped before the desired fruit is produced, then the enemy is going to have to put pressure on what you believe. See, I'm talking about the light that went off. The revelation that came. Come on, say amen, somebody. The understanding that came. See, come on. The understanding that came, it excited you. It excited you to modify how you behave. Come on. It excited you to modify how you approach life because why? It changed your paradigm. And what's he going to do? He's going to produce a contrary circumstance. Defined as adversity to make a question mark in your mind about whether or not this is something you should be believing. I hope somebody's listening. Let's use a very basic example of finances. Come on, you hear God supplies all my need according to his what? According to his what? Riches and glory. And you know, that's his will. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, he provided a way for you to experience a level of abundance beyond what you could ever ask or think. Come on, are you with me out here? And then you know, the Bible said he wishes above all things that you what? Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So what do you do? You embrace prosperity. The light goes off. Now, you begin to let the Bible define the path to that prosperity, which begins with the tide. Come on. Then sowing seed beyond that tide. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then what happens? The enemy comes in and your car quits working. Your refrigerator quits working. Your employer tells you that there's going to be a pay cut. Or maybe you get laid off and lose your job completely. Come on, say amen, somebody. What happened? Circumstantial pressure is going to come in some way. What's going to happen? Circumstantial pressure is going to come in some way. And God said here, if you're going to count it all joy, you need to know it's not God doing it. Say <laughs> so your neighbor, it's not God doing it. But it's the enemy of your soul generating circumstances contrary to what you believe. To do what? To put pressure on your belief system. To do what? On your what? To do what? Put pressure on your what? Belief system. Because why? He knows he can't do anything 
to alter your destiny in God unless he can change what you believe. Somebody's going to get this. Maybe people online. <laughs> Look at Matthew 9, 28. Once again, he knows he can't do anything to alter your destiny in God unless he can change what you believe. What did Jesus say to the blind man in Matthew 9, 28? It says, and when he was come into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they say unto him, What? Yeah, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying what? Saying what? According to your faith, do what? Be it unto you. See, unless he can change what you believe, he can't change your destiny in God. Oh, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. Let me say it again. Unless he can change what you believe, he cannot change your destiny in God. And see, this is the essence of spiritual warfare on a very fundamental level, folks. See, when he hears you get excited about Jesus, by Jesus Christ, you are healed. When he hears you embrace God's will for you to prosper and be in health, you can be assured that there's going to be some circumstances that says, that ain't true. This thing ain't working. Anybody's talking about it? Well, let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 4. You can be assured that there's going to be some circumstance that seems to say, this, that ain't true. This Christian thing ain't working. So going back to James chapter 1, verse 4, he says, but let patience have her what? Have her what? Perfect work that you may be what? Perfect and entire wanting nothing. Or the word patience is defined as being consistently constant. The word patience is defined as being what? Consistently what? Constant. Not changing, not for one moment. Somebody say not changing, not for one moment. Why? This is the trying of your faith. This is what? The trying of your faith. So what do you not change, folks? What do you not change? You don't change what you believe by not changing the way you think. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. By casting down vain imaginations and keeping your thoughts in line with the word. Come on, say amen, somebody. By continually hearing the word of God, by putting the word in your Mouth, come on, say amen, somebody. See, you keep doing everything that contributes to what waters and strengthens your faith. And you constantly do these things. He says eventually, patience will have her perfect work that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's the place to be, folks. Tell your neighbor, that's the place to be. Tell your neighbor, that's the place to be. And he says here, you can aspire to be there. Amen? That means wrong wants have been changed because why? There's a, such a thing as carnal desire. Let me say it again. There's a, such a thing as what? Carnal desire. I'm talking about desire that's generated by your flesh. But God gives you other desires. Matter of fact, Psalms 37, 4. What's it say? God gives you other desires. Psalm 37, 4. It says what? Delight thyself also in the Lord. And what he's going to do? He shall give you what? The desires of thine heart. In other words... The word, somebody say the word. The word would divide between soul and spirit. And you could tell what's the right desire and what's the wrong desire. Let me say it again. The word will what? 
divide between soul and spirit, and you can tell what's the right desire and what's the wrong desire. Well, going back to James 1.4, it says, but what? James 1.4, let what? Patience have her what? Perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. See, wanting nothing means wrong desires are being changed. Let me say it again. Wanting nothing means wrong desires are being changed and right desires have been fulfilled and you no longer want anything. <laughs> Let me say that again. Wanting nothing means wrong desires are being changed and right desires have been fulfilled and no longer do you want anything. In other words, your whole life is now a resource to God and the promotion of his purpose in the earth. And that's where you are most effective for him. Come on, y'all with me out here. See, the problem is you're so covered up with your own desire, you can't get your head off the ground. You got so many needs yourself, it's just ridiculous. And what happens? Your usefulness for God will be limited. Why? Because you're so focused on your own need. Amen? So you want to get to the place where you're perfect and entire, wanting Nothing. Somebody say wanting nothing. But you have to understand and you have to know that place is only accessed by the wisdom of God. Somebody say the wisdom of God. The progression of faith through your life until fruit is produced. Are you with me out here? But guess what? You're going to go through a time of adversity. Y'all don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. You're going to go through a time of adversity. I'm talking about circumstances contrary to what you're believing. And see, from an enemy's perspective, what's he going to do? He wants to put you off what you believe. Come on, say amen, somebody. And you cannot let that happen. Tell you, I cannot let that happen. Patience needs her perfect work. Now, another definition of patience is cheerful endurance. What is it? Come on, put a smile on your face. That's what? Come on, look cheerful. Come on, practice. You need to practice looking cheerful, Lily. Come on. There you go. <laughs> what is it? Cheerful endurance, meaning... You don't just endure, folks. You do it with a good attitude. And that's a big one. Somebody say, that's a big one. Why? If you cheerfully endure, then you'll come to that place of being what? Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And this is where we are truly going to be abounding in all wisdom. Somebody say, all wisdom. Look at verse 5. Now, essentially in verse 5, this is, this is a preface, or preface for asking for wisdom. This is the context which leads us to verse 5 where it says, if any of you lack wisdom. Let me say it again. This is the context which leads to verse 5 where it says what? If any of you what? Lack wisdom, let him do what? Let him do what? Ask of God. What? That, that's regarding what, we just, what we've been reading about. Are you with me out there? It regards the things that seem to be blocking you from, from a realization of the promise of God in your life. See, you get to a place where you're not going to quit confessing the word. 
You're not going to quit reading the Bible. Come on, say amen, somebody. You're not going to quit believing what you're believing. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, everybody's been there. Sometimes you'll say, Lord, I've been cheerfully enduring for a year or two or three or four. Oh, five. Anybody with me out there? Come on, say amen to my. And it seems like this new season is dragging out altogether too long. <laughs> but then he says here, if you lack wisdom. If you lack wisdom. He said, let him ask. Let him what? Ask. Let him what? Ask. Let him what? Ask. Letting what? Ask. So you ask about these things that you haven't wavered. I'll say it again. You ask about these things that you haven't, that you haven't, that you haven't wavered. You still believe things you still believe. Things you're still rock solid in your faith, but nothing's happened. And see, people have the attitude, and it's not a bad attitude, that it doesn't matter what. I'm going to believe until the day I go home to be with the Lord. And I'm going to keep believing. Come on, say amen, somebody. Tell your neighbor, that's a good attitude. But if you need a little wisdom, come on, about making it beyond this particular hurdle, he says, you are to ask God. Somebody say, ask God. Come on, whatever area it might deal with, come on, in your life. Somebody say, whatever area. Where things have gotten a little, too, a little bit too long. Ask God for some wisdom. Anybody deal with something that's been just a little too long? What did he tell you to do? Ask God for what? Wisdom. Then it says that give it to all men what? Liberally and what? Upbraid of not and it shall be what? Given him. But you got to believe. But you got to what? You got to believe when you ask and know what to look for. See, you already have, tell you neighbor, you already have. You already have a little bit of an idea of what to look for if you're asking in regard to the challenge that has seemed to block you from the fruit that you would like to bear. Come on, say amen, somebody. So you have a little bit of understanding of what to ask for. Somebody say a little bit of understanding. So the question is, so what do you look for? Well, keep a marker here and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. What do you look for? Come on, are you still with me? You getting anything out of this yet? What do you look for? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He says, there is no what? There has no what? It's a same Greek, it's a same Greek word, parosmos. A putting a proof by what? Experience of adversity. That's the same Greek word, folks. In other words, there's no adversity that has come to you that has taken you but such as is common to man. Why? Because sometimes we feel like we're all alone. Come on, say amen, somebody. Nobody has experienced what we're experiencing. Come on, get that out your mind. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. You're not the only one that's been through what you're going through. Somebody been through it, somebody got out. So get that out of your mind. Tell your neighbor, get it out of your mind. Why? Because it says, for God is faithful. God is what? Faithful who not what? Suffer or allow. You to be what? Tempted or experience a level of adversity 
above that you are able. Let me say it again. Because y'all looking like dead ducks out there. But God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted or experience a level of adversity above that you are able. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a place in your life when you said, Man, I just don't know if I can handle this anymore. I am really tired of this. Can I give you some words of advice? Quit complaining. (laughs) Quit complaining. God says... God says, God says, he's not going to allow you to experience any form of adversity that you are not capable of handling. He will not let the enemy do that. So stop complaining. Then he says, but we're with the temptation or adversity... Also what? Make a way of what? To escape that you may be able to what? Bear it. Come on. Every challenge to your faith, every delay of the fruit of God's promises in your life that you have experienced, there's what? There's a way of escape from that delay. Somebody say there's a way of escape. There's a way of escape from that delay. There's a way of escape from that challenge, from that problem. Come on, say amen, somebody. From that contrary circumstance, there is a way of escape, folks. Turn neighbor, there's a way of escape. So when you ask for wisdom, you're asking for something that applies to that particular kind of challenge that you're going through. Let me say it again. So when you ask for wisdom, you're asking for something that applies to that particular kind of challenge that you're what? That you're what? Going through. And you're looking and you're expecting. Let me say it again. And you're what? Looking and expecting. What will happen is the way of escape is going to show up and you're going to know it when it comes. Someone say, I'll know it when it comes. Why? Because the Lord says, you're gonna, you know the voice of your shepherd. You will know it when it comes. You will what? You will know it when it comes. You will what? You'll know it when it comes. So when it comes, you make a decision when you receive it. I'll say it again. You make a decision when you want receive it. That you're not going to waver no matter what your best friend says. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. You're not going to waver no matter what your husband or wife says. Now, you know you're supposed to be in agreement with your spouse. Come on, say amen, somebody. But guess what? You can sit down and pray yourself into agreement. Hello? But don't let yourself be knocked off your determination and not wavering by anything that anybody else says or anything that happens in your life. Do not allow yourself to be knocked off. Because why? Because then you'll see that the Lord has given you an answer and you will have the desired result. Come on, there is a way of escape that is appropriate to your faith. Let me say it again. There's a way of escape that is appropriate to your what? Faith. Appropriate to your heart, to where you are with your faith. Guess what? God knows all this stuff, folks. 
God knows all this stuff better than you do. Come on, say amen, somebody. There's a way of escape appropriate for you from whatever kind of challenge. Come on, to God's promises for your life that you may be facing. There is a what? Way of what? There's way of what? To any challenge. Tell your neighbor there's a way of escape. So when you ask, you need to believe nothing wavering. So when you ask, you need to believe what? Nothing wavering. Now getting back to the larger context of God's purpose. What is the larger con context of God's purpose? And that is to what? Bring people into the kingdom. Somebody say bring people into the kingdom. And see, that's when they see you. That's when they what? See you walking in a level of health. Walking in a level of God's provision in every area of your life. Listen, you will affect the people that know you well enough. Those that are aware of these things, guess what? You affect them by what they see in you. Come on. You affect them by the fruit that they what? See in you. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2 says, what does he say here? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, you are our what? You are our what? Should be 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Your life is a written epistle to people that watch for. Let me say it again. Your life is a written epistle to people that watch. And I don't know about you, we want to affect the globe. Amen. Come on, say amen. We want to affect these Caribbean islands. Let me say it again. We want to affect these Caribbean islands. Anybody want to affect the Caribbean islands? But the problem is, you see, we look at all the things that seem to be wrong. We look at all the stuff that gets so much publicity about what's wrong in our territory. What's wrong throughout the Caribbean. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, we look at the history of how our courts have removed the church from the arena of the public life. And sometimes we feel helpless. Because we see what's all going on. But we don't need to feel helpless, folks. Why? Because we got the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, we got the Holy Ghost. And we know the Holy Ghost is the source of our wisdom. But guess what? He's also the source of the dreams that define God's plan for your life. Let me say it again. He's also the source of the dreams that define God's plan for your life. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We want to read this because why creativity, somebody say creativity, is always an earmark of wisdom. Creativity is always a what? Earmark of what? Wisdom. Let me say it again. Creativity is always a what? Earmark of what? Of wisdom. Now, last week, we saw in the life of Basileo. Remember him? God gave him wisdom and understanding. In the life of Bezalel, now it said, let's go back to there. Exodus 31.3. Exodus 31.3, a new revised version. Exodus 31.3 says, and have filled him with what? With what? With what? Divine spirit. With what? Ability intelligence and knowledge of every kind of craft to devise, our, devise artistic works or designs to work in what? Gold, silver, and bronze, verse 5, and the cutting of what? Cutting stones for setting, yeah, a little behind, and a carving wood and every kind of what? Craft. Now, the craftsmanship or the artistic design is part of what wisdom does. Say it again. 
The craftsmanship or the artistic design is part of what what? Wisdom done. But not to turn you into an artist, but there's creativity. And art, as a matter of fact, and what Rhonda does on a website. On what Rhonda does on these screens. Come on, say amen, somebody. There is creativity. Come on, there's creativity, innovation, and that's what the world needs to see through us. Are oh, y'all listening to me tonight? One of the problems is, one of the problems is for us, we don't dream big enough dreams. Let me say it again. We don't dream big enough dreams. What are dreams? Dreams are a revelation of God's will for individual lives built around our giftings and our abilities. Let me say it again. Dreams are a revelation of God's will for our lives, our individual lives, built around our giftings and around our what? Abilities. Let me say it again because y'all sound like y'all ain't hear what I said. Dreams are a revelation of God's will for our individual lives built around our what? Giftings and our what? Built around our what? Giftings and our what? Built around our what? Giftings and our what? Ability. It's how the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost communicates to you. It's not too deep for y'all, is it? It's how the Holy Spirit what? communicates to you what God is calling for you is it's what the purpose for you is are you with me out here see that's revealed by the Holy Spirit let me see that say it again that's revealed by who his ministry is to what? His ministry to each of us is revelation. Let me say it again. His ministry to each of us is what? Revelation. So what we do is we start shaping a dream in terms of what intellectually is understandable to us. That's what we do. Let me say it again. What we do is start shaping a dream in terms of what is intellectually understandable to us. What we know might be a possibility within our level of education, our financial capabilities, our cultural background or heritage. See, we have these preconceived notions of what the highest is that I may might be able to do. But that's not dreaming the way God wants you to dream. Oh, are y'all with me out here? God wants you to dream so big that you have no idea how to get there. If he only dreamed to a level and an extent that you can understand intellectually, of how you might do this or how this might happen in your life, that's not God's wisdom. Let me say it again. If you only dream to a level and an extent that you can understand intellectually of how you might do this or how you might or how it happened or it might happen in your life, if you can think about it, you can figure this thing out. That's not God's wisdom. Why? Because God's wisdom is not definable by your intellect. Let's say it again. God's wisdom is not definable by your intellect or what you know. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. So we have to be deliberate in our dreaming. I guess I'll have no dreamers in here. 
We have to be deliberate in our what? Dreaming. And by dreaming, I'm talking about allowing the Holy Spirit to paint on the canvas of your mind, to paint on your heart a picture of the strongest, the most exciting desire you got in your heart that God has put there. Because why? This is the other part of wisdom. This is what? This is the other part of wisdom. Wisdom will impart these kind of dreams to you through the Holy Spirit. And we've seen, the first man we've seen, we've seen wisdom, understanding, and knowledge being a part of it. Bezalel. Come on, didn't we see that? As a matter of fact, listen to this now. The name Bezalel actually reveals something. As you know, names reveal something in God's word. Say it again. Names reveal something in God's word. You never name a child the wrong name. Amen. Now, his name Bezalel is three Hebrew words. Somebody say three Hebrew words. It's what? Bezalel, right? The bay means in. B-E means in. The L, E-E-L, at the end means God. Are you with me out there? The Zao in the middle is shadow. Let me say it. Let me get it back again. Bezalel. What is it? Bezalel. The bay means in. The L at the end is the name, is the end means God. The Zao in the middle is shadow. Zel El. Zel El. It means that he was so close to God as a shadow. A man's shadow. That's where he lived. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, we see it in Psalms 91.1, where it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, which is Zel Shaddai. In the shadow of Shaddai. So in that place, in that place, see, spirit-filled people are not always wise. Anybody found that out? Let me say it again. Spirit-filled people are not always wise. But if you live close to him and you live in the shadow of Shaddai, and you're that close like Bezalel. Come on, save. Are oh, y'all with me out here? Come on. He could get the pattern from God. So the bigger your dream, that's consistent with the desires God put in your heart, but you have to take the limits off. You got to what? You got to what? You got to take the what? Limits off. I'm talking about that point within that desire that you said you just got to let go. What? Let go. See, you can come out of your prayer closet swinging from the chandeliers. Why? This is the way it should be, folks. To your neighbor, this is the way it should be. See, here's the thing. To create and innovate should define your dreams. Let me say it again. To create and innovate should define your dreams. Let me say it again. You just heard them. Let me try to act like that. <laughs> to create and innovate should what? Define your dreams. See, that's what draws the world to us. 
See, in whatever area that call of God is being pursued in your life, it doesn't matter what it is. Come on, you could be a housewife. Come on. There's a need for creativity in running a household, especially raising children. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. See, innovation occurs on every level. And it doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. We see it in the Word of God, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We see it right here in the Word, going back to 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor what? Ear heard, neither have entered to the heart of man the things which God has what? Prepared for them that what? Love him. Anybody love God in here? This describes the magnitude of what is possible in God. Let me say it again. This describes, come on, the magnitude of what is what? Possible <laughs> in God. And what he wants for you. And what he wants for you. And what he wants for you. But do you know what, that, what this means where it says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man? It means he wants you to be an innovator. He says he's got things for you that, for what? That are innovations that nobody else has ever seen. That the world has not seen. Oh, let me say it. Let me say it again. I have not seen, nor ears heard, nor what? Neither has entered into the heart of man. That means he wants you to be a what? Innovator. Once again, he says he's got things for you that are innovations that nobody else has ever seen. The world haven't, hasn't even seen them. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us by his what? Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yet or what? The deep things of what? God. And see, the world, somebody said the world. The world comes up with all these good ideas, or you could say the men that are in the world. And see, when you see all the ideas they come up with, you can't do nothing but cringe. Why? Facebook, for example. When all our innovation comes from unsaved people, did you hear me? When all our innovation comes from what? From unsaved people, it's an open door to that technology or that innovation being used for evil purposes instead of godly purposes. Don't you see that on Facebook? And eventually it implodes. Come on, say amen, somebody. But when the world sees the kind of innovation that occurs, that only the people of God can bring with the hand of God and the blessing of God behind it, then the world wants what? They want in. Guess what? They want the kingdom of God. They want his, listen, that's when his dominion and his what? Influence, guess what? It'll expand when they see it in you. Say when they see it in me. But innovation, creativity has to be a part of how we dream. Do I have any dreamers in here? We got to have big dreams. Do I have any dreamers in here once again? Y'all sounded really low. Even the devil wasn't convinced about you dreaming. Do I have any dreamers in here? One of the biggest reasons why people don't dream too big is because they're afraid that they'll get disappointed. What do they do? They'll say, I don't want to get too far out there because you know what the word says. 
Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred. Make up the heart sick. But you can't stop there. You got to read the rest of the verse. But when the desire cometh, it is a what? Tree of life. What he's saying is don't get weary in well-doing. Just keep going. You might go through a little battle here and there, but guess what? You stay with it. Tell you that, but you stay with it. Then the desire comes, and it's a what? It's a tree of life. Somebody say a tree of life. But you can't dream little out of a fear of failure. Let me say it again. You can't dream little out of a fear of what? Failure. There's no such thing as failure of the, in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as failure in the life of faith. Even though, listen to me, even though we know men and women of God, of faith, that went on to be of the Lord before they got what they were here for, you can look at that several ways. St. David, you can look at that several ways. First of all, no matter whether you realize it or not, folks, the Bible says some sow, some water, and some reap. It says some sow, some water, and some reap. So there have been cases where someone has gone, has gone on to be with the Lord, and they didn't realize the fullness of their vision. You see, they laid the foundation for others to finish. Why? There's no such thing as failure in the life of faith, folks. See, when you get out there, it doesn't matter how big it is. You press towards that mark. And if you go home to be with the Lord before you get there, then your sons and your daughters and your grandsons or your spiritual children, they'll step into it. And they'll realize the fullness of God's plan that you had in your life. But besides that, I believe we're living in Amos 9.13. Amos 9.13, where he says, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that want sow a seed, and the mountain shall what? Drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall what? Melt. Come on, we're living in this day, folks, where the sower shall overtake the reaper. That means you can sow. That means you can water. And that means you can reap. So you should believe that you're going to finish this thing. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. You should believe what? You're going to finish the deal. Listen, I look at the things that the Lord has placed in my heart, and I said, Lord, look here. That seems so far off. And I'm not getting any younger. Come on. Say amen, somebody. But the Lord will remind you of the scripture. That you don't have to believe that somebody else is going to finish it for you. You can believe that you sow, that you water, and that you reap. Because why? If you're in Christ, you can do all things through him that what? Strengthens you. Come on, say amen, somebody. So you keep the vision. Tell your neighbor, keep the vision. There's no such thing as failure in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as what? Failure. Failure. What? In the kingdom of God. Here's a true story as we close. There's a true story about the first assault on Mount Everest. Everybody heard about Mount Everest, right? By a man named Mallory back in the 1920s. That first assault was a failure. They didn't make it to the top. They tried again. And it was another failure. They didn't make it to the top. So the third time, they got all the technology of the day. They got it all together, and they learned from their previous mistakes. And they went for a third time. And about three-quarters of the way, or three-quarters of the way up, what happened? An avalanche hit them. 
and killed three quarters of them. They didn't make it again. Now, they were being interviewed. And one of the survivors, I believe he was a born-again believer. One of, the survivors, one of the survivors, he said, he spoke to that mountain. And he said to that mountain, he said, I got to say this to Mount Everest. Mount Everest, we will conquer you. Because you're as big as you're ever going to get. But we're not. Oh, you hear what I just said? And the next time out, they got to the top, folks. Amen? So you need to see that there's no such thing as failure in the life of faith, folks. There just isn't. To your neighbor, there just isn't. See, you're either laying the groundwork for somebody else. Or you need to believe you can do it. You can do what? You can sow. You can water. And you can reap. And you can dream big dreams. Come on, say, I can dream big dreams. I'm talking about dream dreams that are born of the desire God has planted in your heart for. Come on, dream big of what eyes have not seen, nor ears heard. Come on, that enter to the heart of man, but then ask God for wisdom to escape the roadblock that the enemy puts in the way and ask God for wisdom to the path you're about to follow to get through that dream. And he'll show you, and guess what? You'll climb to your Mount Everest. Let's lift your hands and give God praise. Come on, lift your hands and give God praise. Come on, lift your hands and give God glory. Come on, lift your hands and give God honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 